when did we forget how to love? Did it happen suddenly? Or was it a gradual decline? When did we forget the very foundation of the gospel? For God so loved. Love is what moved God to action. Love is what held Jesus to the cross. Love is what rolled away the stone. But we, we've forgotten that part. Without love, we are simply a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, a bunch of noise. Without love, we are nothing. Is that what people see in us? Meaningless, empty noise? Love is supposed to be patient and kind, gentle, not angry or arrogant. Yet in our effort to stand on truth, we have forgotten the very thing these truths are based on. Love. Never once did Jesus fail in this. Not in his heartbreak or his anger. Not in his joy or his betrayal. His default has always been love. Maybe it's time the church was more like Jesus. Hey, good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that you have been blessed with our time of worship, that you have been encouraged. And I don't know about you, but when I watched that video, it was one of those videos that was like, yes, amen, and then ouch, right? Like we do need to be more like Jesus. And so we are continuing, as you can see, in our, in our Fruit of the Spirit series in season. And uh, we just want to make sure that we're continuing to understand what God's will is in this season of our lives. We are in a season for sure. And we talked about it a little bit last week and we'll deal with it this week. Uh, we are dealing in a time that we are in the end times and there's a lot of prophetic things that have been proclaimed. And so we're going to go ahead and jump into that. If you have your Bible, would you go to the book of Matthew, grab your Bible. And while you're grabbing your Bible, I want to just give a quick shout out to a couple of people. Uh, we're so grateful to them because before this whole pandemic, they were checking us out online consistently every single week. And so I want to give a shout out to Bridget Hamilton. Uh, she's been on there um, every week saying, you know, giving us some likes and commenting. And so we appreciate you, Bridget. We hope that you and your family are doing well. Um, to our sister, Maury Figueroa, Mo in the NYC. Listen, we love you and we are so grateful that you're part of our family. You know, you're our, you're our extended family. You always give me the hand raise. Right now, we don't have any handouts. But nonetheless, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for always checking us out online and letting us be part part of your life. Uh, we're praying for you and we're praying for all of the first responders and all of those especially in New York that have been hit so hard by this whole pandemic. And so one more person that I want to give a shout out to, and let me just say this real quick before I give this last shout out. 
if you are listening right now and you're offended because you've been listening to us and I didn't just give you a shout out, the only reason why is because you didn't like videos or you didn't share videos or I didn't know. And so I want to say thank you, Ricky Rodriguez as well. Uh, you're a brother here at Core Faith Church and you share all the time faithfully. So I want to give you a shout out also. Uh, but I want to give one special shout out and that is to my Titi Brenda. I want to say thank you so much. I'm not on the YouTube um, platform uh, during the time of the sermon stream, but I see your comments and I want to say thank you so much for praying. Thank you so much for participating and thank you so much for your words of encouragement. I love you. And so before we jump into our scripture for the day, I just want to go over our memory verse. And so we are today talking about why love matters. That's what we're talking about this morning. And the fruit of the spirit is what the whole topic is that we're dealing with. And so the scripture that we're going to look at that is going to be our memory verse is in Galatians chapter 5. And so Galatians chapter 5, this is what it says from verse 22 to verse 25. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And so, again, this series is about living a fruitful life in this season. We want to be people that are fruitful. And so this is the memory verse. This is the foundational verse for our series. And so, as I said, today I'm asking the question, why love matters? That's the title of the sermon, Why Love Matters. And I would say this, that there is no word that is more associated with Christianity than the word love. And, and I want you to think about this this morning. The gospel is the good news of the Father's love for us, demonstrated most clearly by the Son's sacrifice for us and made known to us by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to think about that. The gospel is the good news of the Father's love for us. That is what the gospel is. It is the good news of God's love for us. And the way that we see God's love is most clearly demonstrated in the sacrifice of the son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself. But there's something that is so important when we're dealing with the fruit of the spirit. And it is this, is that God's love is made known to us by the Holy Spirit. And so you should have your Bibles now. So I want you to open with me or turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to begin reading in verse four. And here's what it says. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all things must come to pass. But the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Now, I want, I want to just pause for a moment as I'm reading this text. I want you to realize that what Jesus is doing, he's answering a question that his disciples asked. How would they know the end was coming? And he, get, he gives them this answer. But I want you to realize that we are living in these times. I, I want you to just notice really quickly. It says in verse 7, earthquakes in various places. Just a, just a few weeks ago, we were hearing about these earthquakes in Puerto Rico. I mean, come on, man. I don't know when the last time there was an earthquake in Puerto Rico. But what I want you to know is that Puerto Rico is not known for earthquakes. Come on now. 
Earthquakes not known, or Puerto Rico's not known for earthquakes because what? That's not something that is normative. So you think about California, you may think about earthquakes. That's something that's normative. But when you think about Puerto Rico experiencing earthquakes, that's not normal. You hear about tsunamis and things like that. These are earthquakes that are taking place. And what is this signs of? It's the beginning of what Jesus said, the beginning of sorrows. It's not the end. This is the beginning. And so he goes on and he says in the next verse, in verse nine, he says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Now, this is not encouraging words, but this is what he says. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. You understand that right now, Christianity is not loved by everybody, right? Like there's plenty of hate going around towards Christians. And I'm going to, and, and, and I just, and, and I, I think we need to realize that this is a prophetic word that God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. And he goes on to say in verse 10, he says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many, and we talked about this last week, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Catch that. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Listen, it should be no, it should be no surprise to us that love is under attack. The enemy wants to remove love from our hearts. He wants to remove our love, our care, and our concern for one another. This is part of the enemy's plan because when we don't have love operating in our lives, we don't have the life source that God gives us. I would say that love, because God is love, that love is the life source of the church. You got to get that in your heart. Love is the life source of the church. That is what gives us life. That's what motivates us to live for God's glory. That's what motivates us to do things that bring God honor and praise. That's what motivates us to serve one another. That's what motivates us to help each other. That's what motivates us in compassion. It is the life source of the church. We're gonna dig into that a little bit more. Jesus goes on to say, but he who endures to the end shall be saved or will be delivered from these times. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And so hear me when I say this. We are in the beginning times of these birth pangs of these end times. Let's pray together. Lord God, right now we come to you. We humble our hearts before you and we pray in the name that is above all names that you would speak to our hearts clearly this morning, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church and that you would glorify yourself in the preaching of your word, but also in the hearing and obeying of your word. God, remove distractions from our minds and our hearts. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. And as I said, God is love. And we are commanded to love him and we are commanded to love others. There is no question. And so we realize that love is under attack. The enemy wants to hinder our love through lawlessness. That means sin. The enemy wants to hinder us from loving others. The enemy wants us to walk around offended, wants us to walk around disconnected. The enemy wants to create a sin pandemic in our heart that literally creates a social isolation that we will desire less to be around 
about people. See, right now the coronavirus is causing people to be fearful and scared and they don't know what to do and where when they're going places they're afraid of, you know, someone sneezing or coughing or touching and you got all this stuff going on. But here is the truth. The truth is the enemy wants to do something like that spiritually and he wants to hinder us by sin. And so here's what I want you to think about this morning. Think about this this morning. Love lived out is the result of God's love poured out. Love lived out is the result of God's love poured out. God poured out his love in his son. We just talked about that. On the cross, he poured out his love. And the reason why we are able to live out love is because God poured out his love toward us. And so we have to realize that the only reason that we're able to love people the way God wants us to, the only way that we're able to serve people the way God wants us to is because of the love that was poured out in his son. But hear this, it wasn't just about something that happened 2000 years ago, but God is today presently pouring out love into our hearts, which brings me to my first point. And it is this, you cannot express what you haven't experienced. You cannot express what you haven't experienced. And so I want to say this up front. It is that Christianity is not all about experiences, right? It's not all about just what we feel. It's not all about just what we have, what has happened to us or, you know, I woke up today and I'm feeling it. No, no, no. Christianity is not all about that. But what I will say is this, is that Christianity, and if you read your Bible, you will notice that from the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation, people are experiencing God. Whether it is for good, for good things that God does. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve in his image and his likeness. He blessed them. They experienced him in a positive way. Then they experienced him in the negative way when judgment came because they sinned. You look at Cain. Cain was there. He experienced God in a way it was not positive because he decided to murder his brother because of jealousy. You look at Noah. Noah experienced God in a positive way. The rest of the world didn't because of the flood. And so you go through the scripture and you see that God is encountering people and people are being changed by the love or the experiences that they're having with God. And so I don't want you to discredit or discount the reality that you have to experience God's love in order to express it. If we don't experience God's love, if we don't experience God's mercy toward our lives, we will not express love the way that God commands us. I want you to hear that. Love is not a, a holy you know, thing that God says, hey, do it if you want to. It's not a suggestion. No, no, no. Love is a command that is given. Jesus said, a new command I give you. And that new command was to love one another in the same sacrificial way that he loved. And so we are commanded to love. But the truth is this, is that you will never be able to love the way that God commands if you haven't experienced his love. So I want you to check out the words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says this. He says in Romans chapter, um, it's Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 through 5. He says, therefore... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. 
knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. This is Minister Lewis's favorite verse, by the way. He shared it with us in our Core Connect Life group. And just as an aside, this is not a time, Core Faith, for you to disconnect. This is a time for you to stay connected as much as possible. So please join those Zoom calls for prayer that we have. Make sure that you're participating in your Core Connect Life group Zoom calls. And if your leader has missed one or hasn't been able to schedule be sure you reach out to them. We want to be sure that everybody is connected. But I want you to get the last verse, verse 5. Look what verse 5 says. It says, now hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Notice there's an experience there. There's an exchange there. There is a hope that is present because of love. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't know God's love, you don't have hope. Let me say that again. If you don't know God's love, you don't have hope. I want to give you an example of, of, of being unhopeful because of the lack of experience. And so a few weeks ago, as a family, we decided that we were going to welcome a new member into our family. And so we're getting a puppy. He's going to be a dog one day. And so pray for us. But here's the thing. We were looking for dogs and we found one that we fell in love with, or I found one, let me just confess. I found one that I fell in love with, love the breed, love the way the dog looks, all that good stuff. What happened was I didn't know the breeder. So it was through a third party that I got connected. The breeder took a week or so to actually get in contact with us. And you know what happened was we had no hope that the breeder was actually going to call us. There was no like, oh my goodness, this breeder is going to call because we didn't know him. As a matter of fact, we lost hope and we were like, you know what? This guy's not going to call. We started looking at other dogs. We started considering other options until finally I got the text message and I communicated. I actually got a phone call. I communicated with the owner of the dogs that we're going to get. And here's the thing I want you to realize. It wasn't until that moment that I actually experienced a call with him and a connection with him that I actually began to have hope. And so now I'm telling you about it because I'm hopeful. See, now I have hope because I have experience. And so here's my question for you. My question is, have you experienced the love of God? See, I can't conjure up an experience for you. No, we can sing songs that you love and that doesn't make you experience God. I can't create anything for you, but what I can do is I can tell you how you position yourself to experience God's love. Number one, you got to recognize that you are sinful. You have to recognize that your sin, that your rebellion, that your disobedience against God separates you from him. And not just that, don't just know the negative, but know the positive that Jesus made provision for you so that way you could have a relationship with God. God didn't leave you in your sin, but what God did was he made a way for you. He made a way for me to come back into a relationship. You know what that does? When you really recognize those things, you become humble. And when your heart is humbled, you will come before God and you will begin to position yourself to experience his love. I can't make you experience it, but if you believe the things that I just said, you can position yourself to experience God. The second thing that I would like you to think about today is you must know love to show love. You must know love to show love. If you don't know what love is, you will never be able to show love. One of the things that I'm grateful for is growing up in a household that may have been imperfect in every way because that's the reality of all of our households. But here's the thing. Love was not absent. 
My mother taught me how to love. My mother loved me to death. Come on now. <laughs> Some of y'all have those moms. They love you to death. There's no question about the love that they have for you. And so I grew up experiencing love. And so I knew how to show love. And I'm going to share my story a little bit toward the end here. But here's what I want you to realize is that even though I loved imperfectly, I still knew how to love because I, I was able to show it because I knew it. The same thing holds true for us. See, here's the thing. Our world is seeking our world is seeking to redefine love on so many levels. Even within the church, we have people that call themselves Christians and they're seeking to redefine what love is. But the Bible defines love. And I want you and I to look together at what the scriptures teach about love. And so if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as you're turning there, I just want to give you a little bit of context about these Corinthians. Listen, the Corinthian people, they were a messed up type of folks. They were, they, they were believers. They were Christians, but they were in the midst of a pagan culture and they had a bunch of practices that were messed up. And here's what happened to them. What they, what, what they were doing was if you read first Corinthians, I encourage you to read it. You read the first Corinthians, you'll see that they were divided upon who their apostle was. They were divided upon um, other things that, that, that was going on around them. They were struggling with sin. They had somebody, and you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, they had somebody who was over there that they were boasting in their sin, and it was a fa and a son had a father's wife, so a stepmom was with a, was with a stepson. Craziness. Things that we know are wrong. Well, they were celebrating those, and Paul was rebuking them. It doesn't end there. I wish it ended there. But you go to chapter 11 in Romans, and you know what you find? You find Paul, I mean, not Romans, 1 Corinthians, and you find Paul, he's there, and he is telling them, man, when you guys do communion, some of y'all are coming to church to get drunk. Now, come on now. Coming to church to get drunk. Now, that's a mess. If you, I mean, I don't know about you. That's just a mess. I don't go, to, I don't go anywhere to get drunk, much less come to church. But Paul is saying, you guys are a mess. You know why I share that with you? Because I want you to know we're in good company. We're all a mess. We all have issues. We all have things going on. And what Paul does in chapter 12 is he begins to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And he goes through that list of the different gifts that are there. But then in chapter 13, he begins to unpack for us. And he begins to explain to us what is the, the, what is the right and most necessary thing, even above the gifts. And that is love. And so Paul begins to express to us three things that love does. And one of them is that love enriches, right? Love enriches us. Love also is something that endures, right? It's something that lasts forever, which is something that we'll see in a moment. But he also talks about love edifying, which is what we want what, what, what to hang on for a little while here. So the first thing Paul says is that love enriches. He, he talks about things about speaking the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm nothing but a sounding gong, a, a clanging brass. I'm just making noise. So listen, I, I speak in tongues. I'll let you know that right now. But here's the thing. If I don't have love operating in my heart, guess what? That's a problem. There's an issue because I'm just making noise. Paul wants us to live in a way that we are enriching others, but also in a way that we are edifying others. And so let's look at our verse here in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And here's what it says, and we're going to pause as we walk through it. This is the definition of love. This is scriptural love. This is agape love, right? Agape love is love, just so you understand. Agape love is love that is unconditional. It is love that is based on the morality of the lover. Get that. It's not the morality of the loved. 
It's based on the morality of the lover. It is based on the disposition. It is based on the commitment of the lover, not on the, not on the person that is loved. In other words, it is unconditional love. It is love that is more perfectly exemplified in God, right? Because God loves in a way that is based on who he is, not based upon anyone else. And so this is what agape love is. It's a love that wills good for others. So we got that. So now check out what the verse says. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. It says, love suffers long and is kind. So there's the positives, right? So we have this here. Love suffers long and is kind. So let's, let's, let's think about that for a moment. Love is patient is what some verses say. Love is patient. Let me ask you a question. Are you patient? Are you patient? Or are you just, you have no patience for people. You have no patience for situations. Are you kind? Look what it says. It says, love does not envy. Are you envious? Are you a hater of other people? When other people get promoted, when other people get blessed, when other people are experiencing good and you're not, when other people have gifts that you don't, I mean, are you an envious person or are you able to rejoice? Look at what it goes on to say. It says, love does not parade itself. In other words, it doesn't boast. Do you boast? Are you a boastful kind of person? It says, is not puffed up. In other words, it's not prideful. Are you prideful? Now, listen, I want you to think about what I'm saying right now. I want you to think about what this verse is saying, because what this verse is saying is that love is patient. In other words, when you're acting impatiently, you're not acting lovingly. Get that. When you're not being kind, you're not acting lovingly. When you're, when you're being envious, you're not acting lovingly. When you're parading yourself, when you're boasting, you're not acting lovingly. When you are prideful, you're not acting lovingly. It does not behave rudely when you're being rude. You're not being loving. It does not seek its own. Is it all about you or is it about others? Do other people matter? It is not provoked, thinks no evil. Do you look at people from the negative standpoint? Are you always looking at folks thinking that they're trying to get over on you? They're trying to get something from you. And so Paul is expounding. See, we shouldn't be thinking that way about people. We shouldn't be thinking evil. We shouldn't be easily provoked. Are you easily provoked? You fly off the handle real easily. See, because if you do, then you're not acting in love. It does not rejoice in iniquity. Now listen, that's a tough one for a lot of us to swallow. It does not rejoice in iniquity. I want to say this. In our culture today, the enemy wants to redefine love. And people are saying things like, well, love is love. Love whoever you want to love. What I want you to understand is that biblical love cannot rejoice in iniquity. And so here's what I want to say, and this is going to offend some of you, but just hang with me for a moment. That homosexuality and the relationship between a man and a man or a woman and a woman, that cannot be celebrated if we're operating in the love of God. And I want you to understand this. I am not saying that it's not real. What I'm saying is it's not right. Let me say that again for you. I'm not saying that the love and the emotions that you feel are not real. What I am saying is it's not right. I want you to write this name down. His name is Demas. And he's actually found, I believe it's in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, somewhere around there. But Paul says that Demas left him because he loved the world. Understand this. The word that is used there is the word agape. And so Demas had this unconditional love for the world. It was the wrong love. We know that the Bible tells us what? It tells us that if we love the world, that we can't love the world and love God at the same time. It's just those two things don't go together. The love of the world is, is, is enmity with the fathers, what the scriptures teach. 
And so what we have here to understand is that love does not, look at what it says, love does not rejoice in iniquity. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. And so you cannot say, and just going back to um, chapter 5 in 1 Corinthians, for the couple that was together, the stepson and the stepmom that were together, they couldn't rejoice in that union. Why? Because it was sinful. Hear me when I say this. It is sinful, and that's what makes it wrong. I'm not saying it's not real. Again, I'm just telling you the Bible says it's not right. But the next thing that the, that, that the verse says is it rejoices in the truth. Here's the truth. The truth is that God wants to heal your heart of any brokenness that you have. The truth is that Jesus died for every one of our sins. Therefore, he wants to bring you into a relationship with him. He wants to liberate you. Listen, if you're hearing me still and you're struggling with your identity as a man or a woman and you're battling with, am I transgender? Or you're battling with, man, and you know, I, I was born in the wrong body. Listen, those are all lies that the enemy wants you to believe. And sadly, our culture has begun to celebrate. Our culture embraces those things as true and they are right. But I want you to know they are not true. They are not right. God didn't make a mistake when he created you a man or he created you a woman. What he wants you to do is trust him in this season of your life. He wants to give you the strength to overcome that temptation. He wants to give you the strength. And that is the truth that we rejoice in. And so church, if you're here and you're listening, encourage those that you know that are struggling in this lifestyle, that are struggling with these lies, not to believe the lies, but to trust the truth of God's word. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love is enduring. And it goes on to say, and love never fails. Love never fails. It is enduring. The love of God, the agape of God is a love that continues on. It's a love that continues to fight. It's a love that continues to strive for the right things. It's a love that continues to live for the glory of God. That's what agape love is. And that's the kind of love that we have to have in our heart. So here is my challenge to you, because here's one thing that I completely understand is that you will not grow in the love of God if you're not growing in the understanding of his love. Let me say that again. You will not grow in the love of God if you are not growing in the understanding of his love. So this is a challenge. The challenge is that, every, that, that, that for at least a week that you will spend time every day, so at minimum for the next seven days, that you will spend time every day, number one, meditating on this verse on these verses that I just shared with you, that you would meditate on those verses, that you would, number two, pray those verses. How do you pray those verses? Well, Lord, help me to be kind. Lord, help me to be patient. Lord, help me not to be prideful. Lord, help me to operate in love. That's, that's the way that you grow or that you pray these verses. And then you're gonna seek to apply these verses. But the last thing that I think is so imperative is that at the end of every day, you take an inventory of how you have lived out these principles of love. Look at yourself. Ask your spouse if you're married. Ask your children if you have children. Ask your parents if you're trying to do it in your home. Ask your friends that have been around you. Have I been loving today? Have I, have, have I, have I, have I um, lived up to this list of what it means to love? And listen, this is not to be condemning. This is simply to help you grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. This is simply to help you grow in this area of fruit. See, because here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. Every tree, every branch that is in me that bears fruit, the father prunes and he does what? So it will bear more fruit. 
But any tree in me or any branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he will cut it off and it is thrown in the fire. But if you abide in me, then what? He says, you will bear fruit. And all that fruit is for the glory of God. Here's the point. The point is, when you spend time meditating in the word, what you're doing is you're asking God to reveal and show you what he wills. When you spend time praying over these scriptures, you're saying, God, give me the wisdom, give me the grace, give me the power to do this. When you're seeking ways to apply this, you're saying, God, show me when in my everyday I can apply these principles. And when you come to the place of self-inspection, you know what you're doing? You're saying, God, I want you to prune my life. I want my life to look more like you in this area of love. So I hope that you will take me up on this challenge. The third thing that I want you to think about this morning is you have to choose love over your emotions. You have to choose love over your emotions. And for some of you, you're looking at there, you're like, wait a second, isn't love an emotion? Yeah, love is an emotion. However, there are other emotions that come at you all the time that make you want to act unlovingly, right? There's many moments you want to be rude, right? There's many moments you want to be unkind. I don't know. I'm saying you, but I know me, right? Like there's moments that I want to be unkind. There's moments that I want to be, uh, or that I am easily provoked. There's moments that I'm impatient. There's moments that I might be boastful. There's moments that I may be prideful. Well, you may struggle with the same thing. And so those are things that are motivated by other emotions. And so let me say this because I think that this is so important. There is this misconception that is connected with Christianity. And it is that somehow that Christians believe that they can't control their emotions. That because we have a sinful nature and because Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the things I will to do, I don't do, and the things I will not to do, I do, that suddenly all Christians believe, man, I can't control myself. So whatever I do, either my flesh made me do it or even worse, the devil made me do it. Listen, those are all lies. What, What I want you to know is the fact is this, is that you and I, we can't change our hearts. However, God changes hearts. That is the fact. God is the one that changes hearts. But the other side to that truth is God has given us dominion over ourselves. Every day, with or without God, people choose right or wrong. Every person that's walking this planet is not a person who is saved and walking with Jesus. However, people make choices all the time, don't they? They choose, well, I'm going to obey the speed limit or not. Come on now. That's you, believer or not, right? We all have the same issues. We all have to make choices. There's one difference. When you or I have God in our lives, guess what? The choices to obey him are easier. The choices to obey him are better. And so here's what I want you to listen. I want you to look at Paul's words. Paul's words to the Colossian church. And he writes these words to them in Colossians chapter 3. He says this. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, the elect of God, meaning the chosen people of God, those people who are set apart by God for his glory. That's what the elect is there. Holy and beloved, right? Those who are loved by God. You have to understand something. The reason why you and I are able to love is because we are beloved. Because we have been loved. Our identity is in the God who is love and who loves us. He says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Some of these things sound familiar to our list of the fruit of the Spirit. That's not in the verse. That's me talking. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. In other words, it's a choice that you make, is it not? These are all choices. Paul said, put on these things. But look what he says in verse 14. But above all these things, put on love. But above all of these things, put on love. What I want you to know is that what you put on is a choice that you are making. 
You can put on unforgiveness. You can put on hatred. You can put on whatever you want, or you can put on love. You can put on kindness. You and I make a choice. We make choices every day. And we have to make these choices. He goes on to say, which is the bond of perfection. You know what keeps us together? This is why love matters. Because love is the bond of perfection. Love is what keeps us together. It's the glue that binds our lives together. It's the glue that keeps us together as a church. It's the glue that keeps us together as husband and wife. It's the glue that keeps us together as father, daughter, son, daughters, mother, son, children, parent. It's the glue that keeps us together. See, Jesus said something that was really important to his disciples. He said, you would be known as my disciples because of the love you have for one another. One of his disciples, the apostle John, he said in 1 John, how can you love God who you don't see and hate your brother that you do see? One of the sure signs that we are children of God is the love that we have. And if we lack that love, we need to ask the question, am I really a child of God? In verse 15, the last part of that verse, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know where peace comes from? Peace comes out of the love that we have for the Lord and the love that God has given to us, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. See, here's the thing, and I'll say this again, and I'm getting ready to wrap up. Love is not optional for believers. We can't wait till we're feeling it. See, some of us are waiting till we feel it. The reality is we cannot wait until we're feeling it. We have to be intentional if we're going to love the way that God wants us to love. Think about this. The fruit of love is inspired and infused in us by the Holy Spirit, but we must choose to act upon his inspiration and cultivate the infusion. I want to say that again. The fruit of love is inspired and infused in us by the Holy Spirit. But we must choose to act upon his inspiration and cultivate that infusion. It's a choice. You and I make a choice to either love or not to love. To walk in love and forgiveness or to be unforgiving and unloving. We choose love. And I hope that you will choose love. And here's my closing question for you. Are you living out love? Are you living out love? You see, many of you right now, you're not living out love. You're living out fear. You're living out unforgiveness. You're living out other things. See, I can share my story with you. When I first became a Christian, I told you I grew up in a home that was filled with love. However, there was something that was lacking in my life. I didn't meet my father till I was 13 years old. I didn't meet him until that time. And what I want to say before I go on any further in the story is that I don't hold anything against my dad. My dad is a man of God. I love my father to death. We have a great relationship. He encourages me. He prays for me. He is, a, he is an active part of our family, our life. And so the fact that I didn't meet him until I was 13, that's history. But I want to share my history with you because I want you to realize something. Is that when I first came to Christ, I still had daddy issues, even though I had a relationship with him. And I remember some, I was probably like 23 years old or something like that. I, I, was, I was a little bit older in my faith. Maybe I, I might've been around 25, somewhere around that. I don't remember the exact date, but I remember that I was already married. I'm not sure if I had a daughter yet, but here's what happened. I remember one day I went into my room to pray. It was one of the regular moments of prayer time. And as I was in that room praying, I was felt, I was led by the spirit to start writing a letter. 
And I began to write this letter to my dad about all of the issues that I felt, about all of the hurt that I felt from when I was a kid. And as I'm writing this letter, I'm weeping. Tears are pouring down my face. I didn't even realize that these issues were there. I didn't realize that there was stuff that was holding me back. And yet, when I wrote that letter, I signed, sealed it, delivered it to him. He didn't like the letter at all. However, I was free. I was free at that moment. Why do I share that story? Because you might have daddy issues. You might have issues that are holding you back from living out love and instead you're living out insecurities, you're living out fear. Maybe there's someone you have to forgive. Maybe there's someone that you have to address that you have to deal with some kind of issues. Maybe it's not someone, maybe it's just you, but here's the thing. You have to spend time with God consistently if you are going to allow God to work in your heart and liberate you so you can live out love the way that he wants you to live it out. So here's the thing. My prayer for you is that today that you will make a choice to live out love. And one last thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you do not have a relationship with God right now because of your, your, your sin and you're living how you want to live, today is the day that you can call on the Lord. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today, I admonish you, don't listen to this, this teaching, this preaching. Don't hear this and just go to the next video. Pause. Submit your heart to God. Cry out to him today and say, Lord, I believe that you are the son who came to this earth, the one who died in my place. I believe that I am a sinner who needs you to save me. I believe that you are able to save me. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Pray that prayer. Pray that way to him. Cry out to him today. Don't allow a day to go by without you being right with God. And listen, if you pray that prayer or you want to know more about a relationship with Jesus, because it's not just about a prayer, but if you want to know more about a relationship with Jesus, email me at bishop at corefaithchurch.org and I'll be sure to get back to you. You can also IM us on Instagram. You can send us a message um, through uh, YouTube as well, but send, um, you, you, you can send us a message on Facebook also. You can IM us there. And so be sure that you communicate with us and let us know that you need prayer, and I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Let me pray. Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that has heard this message today. May your spirit fill them. May your grace and wisdom be with them, and may we all be loving people. Father, I pray for those that don't know you, that have heard this message. God, may you draw their hearts to you today. I pray for those, Lord God, that even as I was sharing my story, their hearts were touched. Tears came to their eyes. Their hearts were moved because they have hurts that are there. God, bring healing to them. And Father, I ask you for every believer that is hearing this, may we choose to live out love above fear, above doubt, above division, above everything else. Help us to live out love for your glory and for your honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.